0: Alright, so this morning we're going to continue in our series. Uh, This is our second to last week uh, in our series Before Him. And so as you guys know, if you've been tracking along with us, you know, we've been going through uh, week by week and identifying uh, different uh, stories, different encounters that people have had uh, in Scripture Uh, with the Lord and coming before Him in His presence and understanding what it is that is developed in us in His presence so that we can develop spirit-led responses. So the idea is that we come into God's presence and so that when we do that, we avail ourselves to Him so that He can craft in us and develop in us spirit-led responses for every issue, for every topic in our culture today. So we've got one more week after this week, Um, So we're going to dive in right now uh, to this week, and I get the great joy of preaching on that all-important, always ever-popular topic that everyone loves to talk about and everyone loves to speak about uh, in Scripture, and that is repentance. Yes, we're going to talk about repentance this morning. Uh, You're probably sitting there at home and just thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, I do not want to talk about this this morning or whenever you're watching this, but here's, here's the most amazing thing. Repentance in scripture, um, there's so many wonderful qualities to living a life of repentance, even though the thought of it, the, the sound of the word sort of makes us slink back, you know, and just sort of huddle back into our corner and really not want to talk about it and really not want to understand what it actually requires of us. But I think after this morning, I think I hope that I inspire you and I inspire me that the Word and the truth of God inspires us to live a life of repentance in the Lord. And I know it's a hard one, but it is so crucial for our health. It's so crucial for our spiritual well-being. So I want to dive into that right now this morning. And so uh, three quick things that we know that we're doing. that we have identified about, you know, developing spirit-led responses. The first thing is this, right? That every spirit-led response has to begin in His presence, right? It has to begin there when we come before Him. And it not only has to begin there, but it has to be determined by His presence, and it has to be communicated from His presence, right? So those are the three things that we've been sort of just hammering home um, in this series this morning uh, and today as you're watching this. So let's get into it right now. And the first thing I just want to share with you guys is my key takeaway for this morning. And that is this, is that his presence produces in us repentant hearts that prepares us for spirit-led responses. Let me say that again. His presence uh, produces in us a repentant heart which prepares us for spirit-led responses. Here we go. With this idea of repentance so we're gonna to go to Daniel chapter 9 and I'm gonna read it Daniel chapter 9 verses 20 to 23 and it's a short little passage but it's in the context of a much bigger uh, theme and paragraph which we're gonna to touch on as well but let me just start here so Daniel chapter 9 verse 20 while I was speaking and praying confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you. For you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. So, this morning, I want to touch on three different things that I think repentance is. First is this, repentance is an invitation. Secondly, repentance is a preparation. And thirdly, repentance is a declaration. Now in order to fully understand what we're talking about this morning, I think we just need to fi- to define what repentance is. And repentance basically, in the Greek, is this word um, metaneo, metaneo. And basically, it just means to change one's mind. To change one's mind. But in the Hebrew, there really is no word that you can, you can uh, translate into the word repentance like it is in the Greek. But in the Hebrew, when they talk about the idea of repentance, In the Old Testament, they're referring to this idea of um, turning to, turning to, turning back, or returning. So it's this idea that we're turning to something for the first time, or we're returning or turning back to something that we had once turned to but had turned away from. Let me say that again. So we're either turning to something for the first time, turning to, returning to or turning back, meaning we're turning back to something that we had originally turned to but turned away from. It's basically a personal summons, I think, to an absolute and ultimate surrender to God. That's what repentance is. It's a personal summons to an absolute and ultimate surrendering, an unconditional surrendering to God. So let's go back to Daniel chapter 9. I want to give us some context, okay? So Daniel, in this passage, he's writing from Babylon and he's basically pleading for his people. He's saying he's before the Lord in the Lord's presence, and he's basically confessing his sin and repenting of his sin and for the sin of his people. He, he understands that the reason why they're in Babylon is because they've turned away from the Lord. They, they, he understands that the reason why they're in that place is because they've decided to separate themselves in relationship to their God. He understands that they have decided to go their own way and to turn away from the covenant God of their fathers. And the natural um, consequence to that decision is that they have now been taken from their homeland in Jerusalem and been put in Babylon. And the temple has been destroyed. And so Daniel is pleading and confessing his sin and confessing the sin of his people and pleading for the temple to be rebuilt. That's why he says here, he says, I'm presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of God. So the holy hill is this place in Jerusalem that Solomon's temple was built on. So he's pleading for the temple to be rebuilt. Now, this is going on in 921 B.C. And it's during, sorry, not 921, um, 521, 521 B.C. And this is during the reign of Darius. And Darius is the king of Persia. And it's under Darius, one year later, in 920, that we read in Ezra, he makes a decree to allow the Israelites to begin building their temple again. See, some of the Israelites had left Babylon under King Cyrus in 538, And they began to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem in around 536, according to Ezra. But they had come up against a lot of opposition. And so they were not able to rebuild the temple when they came back to Jerusalem from Babylon. But Daniel's still in Babylon, praying for the rebuilding of the temple. And so in 520, Darius issues the decree that gives the green light to the Israelites that they can continue to build their temple in 520. And ultimately, they finish it at about 515. It took about five years. But this is where we find Daniel. The altar was built in Jerusalem, but the temple still had not been erected. And we see Daniel in this place pleading before the Lord and confessing his sin and for the sin of his people and repenting on behalf of his people because he understands that it's because they've chosen not to follow him, it's because they've chosen to turn away from him. That is the reason why they find themselves in that place of Babylon with the temple still destroyed It had been over 50 years since that temple was standing. It had been over close to 70 years, over 70 years, since the first wave of of Israelites were, were taken out of Jerusalem to Babylon. So we see Daniel in this place of repentance, confession and repentance before the Lord. And so the first thing I want to point out this morning to you guys is this, is that repentance is an invitation. Repentance is an invitation. It's not an insult. Like God is not calling us to a life of repentance to make us feel bad. Yes, repentance I think part of the reason why we don't want to talk about it that much and the reason why the church doesn't really speak about it that much is because it forces us to come face to face with our humanity. It forces us to come face to come face with the reality of who we are and who we're not. But the most amazing thing is that the grace of God, the grace of God is what covers that reality, that when we come into that place where we're face to face with our humanity, it's easy to live condemned, but God in His grace has redeemed that, and I think that's part of the reason why we don't want to talk about repentance sometimes and and think about it, even though it is so important and crucial to a healthy life lived for Jesus. Because repentance is an invitation, not a disqual, or not an insult. It's an invitation. Let me read this really quick to you. In Daniel chapter nine, let's go back to what we read. Daniel says, he was presenting his plea before the Lord for the temple. He was presenting his plea. And then back in, in the same chapter in verse three, Daniel says, then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him in prayer and pleas for mercy. So we see this picture of Daniel turning and facing God and then presenting his pleas in the presence of God. And the only way that we can do that is is by an invitation from God because the invitation of God is always open for us to come into his presence and present our pleas and turn and face him and cry out for mercy. There's always an open invitation to God in his presence so that we can come to a place of repentance and turning back to him and giving him those things that are not of him so that he doesn't give us over to them. See, that's what happened with Israel. See, Israel didn't want to turn back to God. They didn't want to repent and turn back and worship the God of their covenant, to worship the God that had rescued them, to worship the God that was redeeming them, to worship the God that had chosen them. They decided to turn away and to turn and worship something else and to follow something else and to live their lives for something else. And God constantly was trying to woo and draw them back to him because they were unable and unwilling to turn and repent and turn back to him and to be ushered back into his presence and relationship with him because they were not willing to give up what was not of him to him, he ultimately gave them up to it. And that was expressed in the captivity in Babylon. But God's open invitation is always for us to come in to his presence. It's an invitation for change, it's not an insult. It's an invitation to see ourselves more clearly, to see ourselves more clearly, to come face to face with our humanity, to come face to face with our shortcomings, to come face to face with the difficulty of not putting Christ and Jesus at the center of everything in our lives. But it's an opportunity that repentance is an opportunity for that to change, but it's an invitation to see us more clearly. Listen to what uh, Daniel says uh, in verse 5, verse 6, and verse 11 in chapter 9. In verse 5, he says, This we have sinned and done wrong, and acted wickedly, and rebelled, and turned aside from your commandments. That's why they were in Babylon. In, in verse 6, we have not listened to you. In verse 11, all Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. Has that not happened with us? Have we been in seasons in our lives when we hear God speaking, but yet we're not in obedience to it. When we hear him speaking, when we hear him leaning, when we hear him directing, yet we've chosen our own way. We've chosen to decide to live for something else outside of him, and we've chosen to make something else the center. Of our affection we've chosen to put something else on the throne of our lives and we have taken Jesus off of it of course we've all done that and we will continue to do that that's why living a life of repentance is so critical to a healthy life in Jesus and it's so critical to form and fashion spirit-led responses in our culture. So repentance is an invitation to see us more clearly, but also to see God more clearly. Look at verse 4, verse 7, and verse 9. And what does Daniel say in chapter 9, verse 4? He says, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands talk about a clear understanding of God of his nature of his character of his desire for his people how does that how is that revealed it's revealed when Daniel begins to confess and repent verse 7 To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness. Talk about a clearer understanding of who God is. And in verse 9, to the Lord our God belongs what? Mercy and forgiveness. Mercy and forgiveness. To our God belongs mercy and forgiveness. Repentance is an invitation to see God more clearly, to see him as a God of mercy and forgiveness and grace. Secondly, repentance is preparation, not disqualification. Let me say that again. Repentance is preparation, not disqualification. Verse 23, let's read this in chapter 9. This is our main text. It says this, At the beginning of your pleas, this is when the angel, Michael, comes as a man. So we know he's an angel, but Daniel says he he takes the form of a man and he begins to speak to Daniel. He basically cuts Daniel's prayer off like Daniel is in the presence of God confessing and repenting of his sin and for the sins of his nation of his people and he's in this place man he's he's just in this place in the presence of God and then and then Michael comes in and the angel just cuts it off and says this Daniel I have now come to you to give you insight and understanding At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore consider the word and understand the vision." So at the moment Daniel begins to plead for him and his nation, Michael says a word goes out as soon as it happens. It wasn't in response. because. The Lord didn't even need to know what Daniel was gonna say because he already knows his heart. But it, is soon, it was in an appointed time, I think, that the Lord had set up from the beginning of time that when Daniel was, was about to begin this prayer that God was going to, to decree a word and that's what he did. And in the next chapter, it talks about the word and the vision, Daniel begins to understand what that is, that it's a, a prophetic plan for the coming of Christ and the rebuilding of the temple but we're not gonna talk about that this morning. But what I do want to stress to you guys is this, is that repentance is a preparation. What is, it, what is it a preparation of? It's not a disqualification, it's a preparation. And it's a preparation for a greater understanding of the Father and his will for humanity, his will and his purpose on the earth. It's a greater understanding, it's a preparation for a greater revelation of the Father and his plan for us. Daniel says, he made me understand, speaking with me, and saying, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. It is repentance that lays the groundwork for greater understanding of God's mercy, God's plan, His will. It's repentance, it's turning to Him. It's turning to Him and it's a preparation for Him as we turn to Him to reveal in greater understanding what He's doing. Think about this for a moment. John the Baptist in Mark chapter one. Let's talk about John the Baptist for a moment. You want to talk about something who's preparing something? You want to talk about repentance and the idea of preparing for something? Let's talk about John the Baptist for a moment in Mark chapter 1. Just as repentance uh, prepared Daniel for the vision and the understanding that Michael brought to him, so does John prepare the people for a greater understanding in the unveiling of Christ. And what did John bring? What was John preaching? John was preaching baptism in repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And John, we know, prepared the people through his ministry for the unveiling of Christ for a greater understanding. So as Daniel, Daniel's repentance was preparing him for a greater understanding of God, the Father's will and purpose for his people to redeem them. John the Baptist now is doing the same thing, preparing the people for Jesus and the unveiling of the covenant of redemption in the person of Christ through what he called a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Are you kidding me? I want you to think about this for a moment. This is what Mark says about John. John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, in the Jordan, and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Remember, repentance is preparation, guys. Repentance is preparation. It's not disqualification. When we come into the presence of God and repent and turn to him and put aside those things that are not of him so that we can receive in in return what is of him so that he doesn't give us over to what it is that we couldn't release to him in repentance. When we practice that life, it prepares us for a greater understanding of what he's doing. John appeared. Baptizing, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. And all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river, confessing their sin. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. That is not how forgiveness of sin works. What is the whole Levitical process the Levitical law of sacrificial uh, of, of sacrificing animals for the forgiveness of sin for no John hold on a second no you need a blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin that is what we have always done that was what was set up in the Old Testament, that is how we worship God. That is how we come into right relationship with God. It is always through the blood, sacrifice for the atonement and the forgiveness of sin. John, what are you doing? You're telling people all they need to do is jump in the water and go into the water and come back up and confess their sin and their sins forgiven? That does not work, John. That is not how God set it up, John. why is it that God why is it that God had decided that only through the shedding of blood could be the forgiveness of sin it was a stark reminder of the penalty of sin which was death which is death because when we live in habitual sin and and, and 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 turning away and living outside of God's will and turning away from him it's like we're dead spiritually we're not alive in him why was it that they, were, they had to sacrifice their animals, the ones that they beloved, the ones that they loved, the ones that they took care of, the ones that they nurtured? Why was it that God had demanded a sacrifice of an animal and the blood sacrifice for the forgiveness of sin? Because it was a stark reminder of the consequences of it, which was death. And it was only through the atoning sacrifice of blood because life is in the blood that's how God set it up and now John's coming and saying whoa 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 listen just come to me I'm gonna baptize you you come up confess your sin and you're forgiven like what is going on here that is not that is not how God had set it up But it was something that God was doing. It was an inauguration of a new covenant. It was something new that God was bringing in Jesus. Baptism was a prophetic display. What John was doing was a prophetic display of the work of Christ that he was gonna come to do. So John was pointing people to Christ by baptizing them for the forgiveness of sin. He was pointing prophetically to what Jesus was about to do. Because baptism, as we know, baptism in water, the idea of water, right, is this idea of being cleansed, being purified. And the only way that happens is through the blood of Christ for the atonement of sin, right? We know that but we know that baptism is a symbol, it's an outward expression of what's going on in the inside. Baptism is is going down into the water and dying with Christ as he laid down his life for us on our behalf and then being risen back up out of the water right into new life as Christ was resurrected from the grave. He comes up and defeats sin and death in his resurrection we know that baptism was a prophetic display of the work that Jesus was going to do, that John was showing everyone and pointing to. That's why Jesus was baptized. There's a lot of different reasons why people think that Jesus was baptized. And to be honest with you, like, there's a lot of kind of, um, you know, debate out there. But, you know, pe- some people say that he had to be baptized, you know, in order to do any good works, in order to walk in the power of the Spirit, to, to heal and to, to to perform his ministry and and all that stuff. But I believe that that Jesus, he he was baptized because he was he was showing, he was proclaiming, he was demonstrating what his work was about. He was showing the people what he was going to do. It was a prophetic display of what was gonna happen on the cross and in the grave when he rose. So John came preparing his people, preparing the people for Christ, for a greater understanding of Christ through the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin because repentance is preparation for a greater unveiling and understanding of God's will and purpose for us, for you, for your family, for your community, for your workplace. It's preparation. And finally this, repentance is a declaration. Repentance is a declaration. Repentance is not just saying, I'm sorry, but I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. It's not just, it's, it's a turning to him, and it is a confession. It is remorse. It is a, and I'm sorry, but more importantly, it's, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready for what's next and what you have in me. I'm repenting and turning back to you. I'm giving to you those things in my life that are not in your will, that I know are not in alignment with how you want me to live. I'm giving those things to you. I'm turning back to you and saying, Lord, I give that to you so that you don't give me up to it. I'm giving it to you and I'm turning to you and saying, I'm going to follow you in this area of my life. I'm going to surrender everything to you. I'm going to put you first in everything. I'm going to, it's going to be a personal summons of, of complete surrender to your will in my life. And it's a declaration that, yeah, I'm sorry, but man, I'm ready. I'm ready for the next season. I'm ready for what you have for me. I'm ready for a, a greater understanding of your kingdom on the earth. I want you to think about this for a moment. Jesus' first recorded declaration, the first words written in red in both the gospel of Matthew and Mark after he was baptized and tempted in the wilderness, this is what it says. This is Jesus' declaration. This is what Matthew and Mark both decided would be the first thing that Jesus says in his public ministry. The heading is this. Jesus begins his ministry. Verse 14, chapter one in Mark. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand and believe, repent and believe in the gospel. First words that Jesus declares in his public ministry. The time is fulfilled, the kingdom is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. The time is fulfilled, really quick. What does he mean by that? Jesus says that he has come to fulfill all of the law and the prophets. The idea is that everything in the law and the prophets point to him. And Jesus reveals and fulfills everything that the law and the prophets were pointing to. The time is fulfilled. The covenant redemption, the covenant of redemption is here. It's for you and it's before you. And I am what the law and the prophets speak of. It is all for me. And now I am here on the earth and I am bringing redemption through my work on the cross for you. The time is fulfilled. Then he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Well, what does that mean? The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near, it's at hand, it's ready. It's it's so close that you can reach for it. It's so close that you can be a part of it now because it's in me that the kingdom of God is coming. The kingdom of God is not here in full, we know that, By looking out into the world, but Jesus came and inaugurated the kingdom. He said the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus's appearance is the decisive moment in the redemption plan of God. His appearance on the earth, his declaration of who he is, is the decisive moment In the redemption plan of the Father for us. And guess what? There is a decision that needs to be made. Once we hear the gospel, it forces us into a place where we have to make a decision. Are we going to accept this free gift or are we going to reject it? Repentance is a declaration that says I'm ready to accept it. He says the kingdom of God is at hand and then he says repent and believe in the gospel. He, he, he marries these two topics together. Repent And believe there is a reason why he marries these two things together because they cannot exist outside of one another guess what that means guys that if we're going to live a life if we're going to live the gospel if we're going to declare the gospel then repentance has to be at the very core of our lifestyle and repentance has to be at the very core of our message because if we are going to show people if we are going to declare the gospel and we have to we have to declare it effectively so that they understand why they need Jesus. Jesus says, repent and believe in the gospel. The fact is, is that we cannot just turn from a life that we used to live and expect to receive salvation. It doesn't work that way. The only way we receive is through trust and faith and putting it in Jesus, but yet we cannot trust and put our faith in him unless we turn to him. That's why Mark says repent and believe. Repent and believe. You can't have one without the other. You can turn away from your old life, but if you're not turning to him, then there's no salvation, but yet You cannot turn, you cannot trust and put your faith in Jesus without turning to him. So repent and believe. Repentance is a declaration. It says, I'm ready. I'm ready, Lord. I'm ready because I want to move into a greater understanding of who you are and I want to experience your presence. And I can't do that if there are things in my life that are separating me from you. And so if I want to have intimacy with you, if I want to know your presence, if I want to have a spirit-led response to everything in our culture, then I must practice a life of repentance where I'm turning to you and giving those things that are not of you to you so that I can be restored to you and in you, in your presence, so that we can be reconciled together and that there's so there's no separation between me and you, and it is a relationship of intimacy, so that I can respond in accord to the Spirit. See, repentance positions us to respond to the gospel and to participate In the kingdom, we get to participate with joy in the kingdom only by living a life of repentance and continually examining ourselves so that we can identify those things that are not in line with His will and give that to Him and turn back to Him when we've turned away. See, we can't participate with joy and peace in the kingdom unless we are continually examining ourselves and living a life of repentance. Repentance says, I'm ready. I'm ready for a greater understanding of you, Father. I'm ready for a greater understanding of who I am in you. And I'm ready for a greater understanding of how you see those around me so that I can respond in a manner worthy of your presence. And that is why when we come into the presence of the Lord that it must it must produce in us hearts of repentance so that we can develop spirit-led responses. So repentance is an invitation into his presence. It's an invitation to come before him. It's an invitation to turn our face to him. It's not an insult. It's not for condemnation. It's for transformation. And repentance, not only is an invitation, but it's a preparation. It's a preparation for God's unveiling his plan in our lives, and for our church, and for our communities, and for our families, and the ones we so desperately want to see come into a living, wonderful, life-filled faith. Repentance is in preparation for God to unveil in greater way himself to us through the Spirit and through the truth of his word. Because we, through repentance, get to remove those things that separate us from him. And in turn, great, get to experience a greater level of intimacy in his presence. And finally, right, repentance is a declaration. It's saying, not only Lord, I'm sorry, but I'm ready. I'm ready for that new season of growth. I'm ready for that new season of challenge. I'm ready for that new season of transformation in your presence. And that will help us develop spirit-led responses because we know and we can understand to a greater degree how he sees those around us, even though we may disagree. So that is why It is so important to lead a life of repentance I love this topic and I think we're gonna do a longer series on this because I feel like it's just so important to understand the absolute centrality of repentance in the gospel that you cannot preach and declare the gospel without talking about repentance And it's something I feel as the church, we have strayed so far away from because it brings us face to face with those things that we don't wanna deal with. But they are vital to a healthy life in Christ. And they're vital for spirit-led responses. All right, so that's it guys. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Um, We'll see you next time. It will be our final installment of our Before Him series. So take care and have a great day.